Hello, and welcome to Permission to Be. I'm your host, Becca Epley, joined as always by my co-host, David Roberts. Permission to Be exists to be a space of hope for those journeying to find their true, authentic selves. We hope that the story shared here will inspire you on your own journey and help you unlock the permission to be who you have always truly been. So this is episode 001, Becca, and we are trying to start a podcast, which is something that neither of us have ever done before following in the in the footsteps of other people who have made their own podcasts there's always a um a kickoff moment at the beginning you know when everyone's bantering and and whatnot when um they bring the guest on and they're like there's usually some sort of you know tell us who you are and what do you do and why are you here and then sometimes there's some sort of like i don't know some funny quirky unique you know extra detail sort of question all we have so far and i don't love it is what did you eat for breakfast today? And part of the reason I don't love it is because my answer is nothing. My answer might be a kind of bar, maybe, or the half a bagel that the kids didn't eat when they were hopping out in carpool lane, maybe, or goldfish that I found in the backseat. You know, quality. Not really. Okay. So what then is something that we are just going to want to know from the diverse group of guests we hope to bring onto this podcast. Something that we will regret not asking them if we don't kick off our conversation with that question. Mm. doesn't have to be cliche, but it can be. It could be about movies, music, books. I mean, I'm sure we'll actually talk about movies, music, and books in like the main part of some of these conversations. So it needs to be... The top five categories they have for each one. I feel like that was a dig because I have top five categories for most categories in my life. But, you know, like... Which is ironic because you're an Enneagram 5, you know. Very ironic, yes. Very ironic. But maybe something like if you were you were to... If you were going to cast the biopic about your life, who would you cast as you? Mm. And I was throwing that out as a hypothetical, but now that I've said it out loud... Really I good want, question. I want you to answer that question because I don't. I don't know this about you. We've never had this conversation. Like it, it just would depend on like, can I have multiple actresses for multiple age ranges? Like you know, who plays me as a child and who plays me as a teenager and someone older and sure, you know, like there's so many. Okay, give me, give me who would play you now, and who would play you at eighteen. Mm. <laughs> it feels so cheesy, but it's Mandy Moore. Like right. I really think she's an adorable actress, and she's a little bit younger than I am right now. I guess maybe, sort of, kind of. So maybe she played the younger version of myself. Okay. And oh my gosh, and you're probably too young to remember this. Try me. Uh, Father of the Bride movies. Yes. The mom. Not tracking. Some- <laughs> Definitely too young. <laughs> I thought you were tracking. I thought you were there. Nope. Oh my <laughs> and that, folks. <laughs> well, there we go. We got 
we got Mandy Moore. So Becca's answer for who would play her in the biopic depicting her life is Mandy Moore, who herself, since we've already established that Becca's movie would span multiple timelines like of her life or would have flashbacks. Luckily, yeah. Mandy is very familiar working on cinematic work that involves flashbacks. You mean This Is Us, one of the greatest shows ever? I do mean This Is Us. And so my answer would be John Krasinski. Mm. I think... Just him? No one else? Um... Honestly, yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. He, he He's probably getting a little old to play young me, but maybe... I, I, I don't know what period of my life would people would find most uh, most compelling for the big screen or even the small screen if it was maybe some sort of like Netflix version or something like that. I don't know. But... Um, Netflix is getting big time. Yeah. No, Netflix is getting big time. But... No, I would go with John Krasinski. I think um, I think it's a fair balance between the personality I aspire to have and how my ears look. <laughs> that is truly so, awesome. <laughs> all right, so you know, so we're putting out for those of you listening to this first one, we're putting out a little idea balloon there, kind of a little uh, a little um, trial balloon. I think that's the word that they use in political campaigns. Do we like, who would you cast as yourself in the biopic created for your life as our quirky icebreaker question that we will ask every single guest who comes on this podcast? Wow, you have my vote. I think that's a great question. So, all right, Becca, this is your podcast. So in your words, I mean, what are we doing? Yeah, what are we doing here? gives you somebody else's words (laughs) oh goodness permission to be is this idea that i myself feel like i didn't realize i had permission to be myself until i was 30 yeah i'm right at 30 and i really believe that there's more people in this world that don't feel like they have permission to be their authentic selves and my hope is that we can talk and discuss and bring on our friends and bring on guests and bring on people from all different walks of life who can share their journeys and who can breathe some new life into the people who listen to this podcast and honestly breathe some hope because it's so easy to think that we're alone. Sure. And I don't want that for anyone. Now there's, there's, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in there that immediately, you know, for me invoke some follow-up questions. One, um, talking about this idea of authentic self, which I'm sure at first blush is kind of like, okay, you know, authentic self, that's kind of, you know, that can seem, I don't know, cliche or mundane or something like that. But but I think it resonates. I mean, I think both of us can name the fact that even in the couple of months since we've been discussing doing this, we have found this notion of permission giving when it comes to being or identity, like it's popping up. Like it's like the thing where you, you get a new car or you get a new outfit or something like that. And suddenly you see it everywhere. And, mm-hmm. and so we've been talking about this idea of, of permission to be your authentic self. And all of a sudden we're realizing that in a good way, like not in a, you know, Hey, this is, this is already tread ground, so to speak, but in a sense that no, there, there's some energy behind this idea of permission giving and authenticity so maybe, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be subjective for all people, but I guess, let, you know, let's let's talk a little bit more about authenticity. I mean, authentic self. What does that what does that mean to you? And you can you can be abstract or you can you know, I mean, if you want to give specific examples from your own journey, go for it. Well, I want to back up just a little bit. Um, and yeah. the permission to be 
part of it is, and this will go hand in hand with the authenticity question, is that we think, of course, well, you have permission to be yourself. It's no big deal. But to give yourself permission to be, to be authentic, actually requires us to look within. And we are such a culture and a society, especially Western culture and society specifically, and specifically upper white middle class of going, 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 going. And then for people who aren't sitting from privileged positions, they are also in survival mode all the time. And so I think we have to acknowledge that there's a privilege in looking for our authentic selves. And I think that that is something that is available to every person on this earth, but not everyone has the luxury or the time to stop and do that. So I think part of authenticity is acknowledging that within us is the power for this privilege that nobody else can give us but ourselves. Sure. That makes sense. And that resonates. I just wanted to bring that in because sometimes we have these lofty, sometimes I have these lofty ideas of, oh, this would be so great and this can happen. But I think it's really important for us to have a perspective that it depends on where you're at in the world and in your life. Going back to your question of authentic self, for me, being my authentic self is actually taking that moment and saying, I see myself. And I know that kind of sounds cheesy, but it's not. Like when we're so busy trying to survive, I know for my, I don't see myself. It's just this fluid motion of go, 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 go. And authenticity really comes down to being still even if it's just for sure. a couple minutes a day. No, that resonates. And, and you know, when you first started talking to me about this and invited me to do this with you, and we really started to discuss this notion of permission giving and, and this idea of permission to be your authentic self, I even had to take a step back and think back to my own journey and my own life and realize that, okay, this was a, a, you know, a process or a journey that I went on and in certain areas of my life I'm still going on. But even recounting or recalling some of those earlier instances in my life years ago where I kind of went through this process of permission giving, but I didn't see it as that. And so going back retrospectively and naming it as this, as, as kind of finding or giving or experiencing permission to, to really to, to be who I already always was, but do so explicitly or unashamedly or whatever the case may be, even just recalling those instances and reframing it as, as this act of permission giving, you know, over the last couple of months as we've been thinking through this and planning this, that was powerful. And, and there's, you know, there's something on one hand, just cathartic about kind of getting to. Is it, is it calming? I mean, is it a calming? Like I almost, I'm curious what it, the feeling that it, you're saying cathartic, but like what's, what feeling would you put on it? Like as far as. No, much more liberating. Heaviness or. Um, in the sense it's, 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 there's one thing, I guess I would put it this way for me, at least just speaking, you know, from my own story, we can, I'm sure, you know, share some of those details as we go through this whole journey, you know, on this podcast, but there's a sense in which the permission had been given to be who I always already was, but the permission had not been given at least explicitly until recently, as we, I really began reflecting on all this stuff to free myself from Shame may be too strong of a word, but but sort of the sense of um, I don't know the sense of 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 shame or whatever you want to call it, for lack of a better word, that I guess that I felt in 
that season where I wasn't being my authentic self. So, so like I had, I had freed myself or I'd given myself permission to move out of that space where I was, whether it was self-censoring or, you know, whatever, you know, you know, not living authentically, but I hadn't yet given myself, you know, permission to kind of let go of all of the feeling that I felt while I was still in that season. Do you think that comes from religious beliefs? Maybe. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I could name that for myself. I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily want to, no, not as a general. Yeah, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe that, or, or or simply just a lack of, um, you know, an introspection, um, a lack of, um, you know, kind of taking time to do that interior yeah. work, you know, and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, um, thinking about, you know, the deep questions I want to ask other people has the side effect of, of of forcing me to ask myself if I've asked myself those questions first, and and so that's so so even you know gearing up to this this you know kind of project we're doing here with this podcast has been a good. Uh, a good exercise in self-reflection for me. Nice. So and share a little bit about my story. Um, as far as how I gave, gave myself permission to be, I grew up the daughter of a Southern Baptist campus minister. For those of you who are in the Southern Baptist world or have been in there, and my dad was a Baptist student union director um, at a couple different campuses. And we lived our livelihood was based on support-based income, which means that just like a lot of missionaries depend on individuals within churches or friends to send them monthly money, so did we. That's how we made, that's how we survived all of my life. We grew up mostly in the um, Western part of the United States and California and Colorado. And I actually have really fond memories of California and the beach and the ocean. And of course, Colorado, the mountains. But within all of those wonderful memories, I was never taught to look inside myself. I was always taught to look outside for God. And how I interpreted that as a child was that life had nothing to do with me. I was always trying to move forward to go towards God to do all the right things. And it just, looking back, it, it makes me realize I had no clue who I was. And curiously, at the same time, I never questioned it. I never questioned the bubble I lived in, which was a bubble where everything was Christian. Uh, music, board games, books, video games for the Nintendo. Yes, they make video games for the Nintendo that are Christian-based. I believe one of the R's was Noah's Ark. It sounds like those wouldn't be exciting because you, you know, it's like, spoiler alert, you know how this story ends. <laughs> but I guess I guess games back then weren't really known, you know, you know I mean, the, the whole, the aspect of video games where, where there, the, there's much more to the narrative now is, I guess, relatively recent. Uh, back then it was just... Mario 1, 2, 3, and Duck Hunt. Uh, so the, origi the original Nintendo, yes, the, the original Nintendo. And that was when I was ooh, high school, maybe. So date myself a little bit on that. Okay. But so I lived in this bubble and what always baffled me or what I always struggled with is I always felt afraid and I always felt like I wasn't enough. And I always felt like that I could never get it right with God and that everybody seemed to be having an amazing spiritual experience at church. And somehow I just hadn't hit the mark yet. I hadn't come and went through life and just kept plugging along because I was taught that if you persevere, someday it'll happen. So eventually college happened, then went on to move to Nashville, Tennessee. And the fall before I turned 29, the shit hit the fan. <laughs> and 
I started. Sidebar, we're a swearing <laughs> podcast now, so we've established that. We've had our nice Jesus talk, now it's over. Oh, goodness. I tried pastoral counseling. It failed horribly. Um, so then three months later, I went on a blind date with my now husband. And it was um, it was a pretty good date. And then we started dating and my anxiety went through the roof because he did not meet the qualified Christian guidelines of being air quotes equally yoked. He still believed in God. He was just the wrong denomination. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and real quick, cause you've, I mean, obviously, you know, we've talked prior to this recording and stuff like that leading up to this blind date with Jesse. I mean, you had a lot of, I don't know, expectations or baggage or, or, or just imposed qualifications about like, I don't know. There's a lot of your identity you've told me was tied up to this notion of being a good Christian wife <laughs> and, and, and needing to needing to find that. Definitely. And that's actually one of the reasons that I start, I, when the uh, proverbial shit hit the fan, I started going to counseling because I ha- thought I was doing all the right things and nothing was happening. I mean, I was doing all the God things and I lost weight and I did all the stuff and I looked Nashville great and <laughs> um, nothing was happening. And I was so angry at God. I was so angry. Almost 30 years old, nothing's happening to be the dream of what I thought life should be, which would be the proverbial wife of a good Christian man. And, uh, and then I met Jesse, um, still a good Christian guy, but he was already um, starting to deconstruct his spiritual beliefs at that point, which he uh, kept on the, the DL for a little while and didn't run away when I grilled him about the literalness of the Bible, the Adam and Eve story, and all of the above, which actually did happen on our second date. Nice. You know, you're not moving too quickly. You wait till that second date to really, you know, <laughs> dive in. You know, he made me dinner that night. We sat on the couch and then I started asking, did he believe the Bible was fallible? That's where we jumped into that right away. <laughs> yeah. Who needs foreplay? Right? Right. Who needs foreplay when you can question somebody about the fallacy of the Bible? All that to say, Jesse and I continue to date. My anxiety continued to skyrocket. Um, friends, good friends, eventually sat me down and said I should go see a counselor, which was actually a life-changing moment and the hardest moment ever. I cried all the way there. And through counseling, I discovered myself. I discovered that I wasn't failing as a Christian or as a person who believes in God, but I actually had generalized anxiety. <laughs> And I think that is something that has given me great freedom and permission to be who I am, is acknowledging that part of me is that I have anxiety. And that's okay. And that's not a bad thing. And I wish more people could know that. I wish more people could know that they can still be who they are and that it doesn't mean they're failing in life because maybe they have anxiety. Um, another part of my story with finding myself and finding authenticity would be when we had our son and I had a moment, um, I had postpartum anxiety, which I didn't know at the time and had a moment where I called my mom one night and I said, mom, I'm falling apart. This is just horrible. And her answer to me was, well, did you pray about it? And I just thought, nope, I'm done. And at that moment I was done. I, I was done believing in God. And I was done trying. That's also the same moment that I let go 
And that's the same moment where I started to find my strength. And on the other side of it, we would again find um, my belief in a higher power. Sure. Now, preface this with saying that, you know, as you and I have talked about this, I mean, I think I think you would agree, push back if you don't, but I think you would agree that we are hopeful that hope and freedom and, you know, you, you know some of these, these buzzwords, not said cynically at all, would be a huge part of what is shared and discussed. And, you know, our desire is to bring people on to this podcast to share their stories, you know, you know, in the same way that you and I are right now. And and that someone would see themselves or hear themselves in in that experience and there'd be some permission giving taking place. But, you know, I mean, I, and I think most people know this, but, but you know, sometimes it's below the surface or not necessarily named, but oftentimes these journeys towards freedom and authenticity, like they come at great cost, or at least that's my experience. You know, we get to my experience in a second, but what is the cost of this of this journey towards authenticity bid. I don't want to scare anybody away. <laughs> but the cost honestly for someone who worries and who is a planner um is a lot of white knuckling and prying your own fingers off of control. That's what a lot of the cost is for me personally, for those of us who like to plan, who those of us who want black and white answers, the cost is finding the cost and the joy. Let me say that. The cost and the joy is finding peace in the gray areas. And I would have myself 10 years ago would have 15 years ago would have never have believed this. But I have more peace at age 42. And I've had more peace in the last 12 years than I did in the first 30 years of my life. And I love God and believe in God more now. But I wouldn't say that I'm religious anymore. And I think there's this fear if we evolve to a new way of being that we're going to lose something that is so precious to us. And looking back, I think for me, the fear now is if I didn't evolve to who I was, I would have missed out on the opportunity to have this amazing life that I can actually now appreciate. Sure. Yeah. I mean, big thing, you know, for me is because really, I mean, to some degree, what we're doing here is we're, you know, we're framing why this is important to us. We're framing why we're even doing this, this podcast thing. And, and I think people will find that you and I, we, we bring, we bring different things to the table. And, and some of that's just, I mean, every, every person's story brings something different, but, but then there's also these, I think these profound, maybe even unexpected points of resonance. And, and one thing that you just talked about there was, you know, talking about that, 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 that freedom that you had to kind of let go of having everything being so black and white, and, you know, you know, kind of lean into the gray a little bit. And that is a huge, that's been, that's been a huge part of my journey as well. Um, I come at this, you know, kind of conversation about authentic selves and, and deconstruction and all that. Similar to you, you know, you know, raised in this kind of clear-cut evangelical, you know, closet Baptist background. I don't think we were ever Southern Baptists, but there's lots of different kinds of Baptists and lots of them are conservative. It's been exciting in this kind of new season of life to discover all these progressive Baptists. So if you're listening and you're a progressive Baptist of some sort, I see you. I didn't know you existed before. I'm glad you're there. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> But, um, but I mean, for me, and, and, you know, I'm sure down the road, we can kind of get into all the ways that, that a lot of this was, was privilege on my end, but I didn't really have a bad experience in church. I mean, I'm a white, straight dude, you know? And so, so, you know, a lot of evangelicalism, which was, you know, broadly speaking, what I was a part of is, yeah, it's, it's propped up to benefit me. One of the many areas in life that are propped up to benefit white, straight dudes. But for me, I mean, I mean, we can, we can parse this out different ways. You know, if you want to call me an Enneagram five or, or, or whatever, but 
there was this this intellectual stage to it. Like I needed it to make sense to me intellectually or academically or or, or, or whatever. And so grew up in the church, went to college, never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. Had this borderline, at least as much as someone wired like me has can have or has had, almost charismatic experience where I felt this like sudden calling. I was in church for the sudden calling that, you know, I needed to go into like local church ministry, did that kind of providentially, at least I thought so at the time, got put, you know, you know, kind of swept up into this internship at my church, which ended up leading to this job. And all throughout, I'm kind of going through this, this journey where, um, you know, the faith that I've always had is suddenly kind of becoming tied to not just, not just, it's not just something I believe, but it was kind of becoming my vocation and my identity and my calling. And in the way I'm wired, it kind of led me down this path of like, if I'm going to be all into this, I mean, I need to have a mastery. And for me, mastery means competency. It means knowledge. So I start reading and I start studying and I start listening and and I don't know, I could, I can't necessarily point to when it was exactly, but all of a sudden some things just stopped adding up. And some things that I thought I knew, they weren't translating pastorally to the students that I was kind of been put in charge of in kind of my youth ministry contact. And some things that I had kind of just uncritically assumed about what the Bible said and therefore what had to be weren't adding up to other things that I was reading that were making a lot more sense and becoming, you know, finding more compelling. And then this kind of coincided to me suddenly kind of seeing, hey, some of this love of Jesus isn't really playing out in a very loving way in the lives of a lot of people who experience a lot more marginalization. And, and, you know, and so, and so that's the, that's the long and short of my, you know, my, you know, you know, me kind of jumping off the precipice of deconstruction kind of into this, the, the space I am now. And it involved loss. I mean, I lost on a very practical material level, I lost a job. I lost, um, relatively speaking in the, you know, the ever lucrative world of, local church ministry. And, and I, I say that tongue in cheek because I guess for some people it is quite lucrative and, and understandably there's a lot of cynicism around that. It wasn't really for me, but it was stable. And um, stable or the loss of stability, that's been the biggest loss for me. I mean, there was the the loss of material or financial stability and losing the job and you know, kind of uprooting my family and moving across the country. Um, Real quick to interrupt you, I think that's yeah. a good thing to point out. Like it wasn't just you who was affected by that, right? Right, right. Yeah, it was my, it was my fam, my wife, um, my at the time two kids, and lost the stability. But then when it kind of comes to the um, the more existential aspects, which is really what resonated for me in your story, and I think that's kind of the place where my maybe cerebral approach to all this and your much more, and I mean this in a very complimentary way, your more kind of grounded, empathetic approach to this notion of permission giving is... I'm an Enneagram too. I own it. Yeah, There we go. Yeah. So that's where we intersect in the sense that this, um, you know, kind of that that stability or that, that security. Because what I lost was I had to admit that this is this, this, and this, what I mean by this is faith, my relationship to God, um, and, and the identity and security that I tried to kind of claim hold of within that was never going to be something that I could master. I, I, I was never going to be so competent, you know, that I could say, I, you know, I have all the answers and having all the answers is how I find safety and security in the world. And so 
So yeah, that was that, that that was it for me. It sounds terrifying for a person who finds safety in mastering. Yeah, yeah. So so the permission giving and and like I said earlier in the conversation, you know, was somewhat given me implicitly and not necessarily even even you know wasn't even necessarily something I was consciously aware of until even more recently as we've kind of gone through this journey of kind of preparing to to do this thing has been you know, kind of giving myself permission to not find my identity in that calling or not find my identity in, in something as something as audacious as mastery of theology. I mean, what does that even mean? Like, you know, for example, I've, I've always thought it funny, this idea of, you know, I'm going to get my masters of divinity. Really? You're going to, you're going to be a master of divinity. Like that's that's ludicrous. That's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's a so silly name for, 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 like. for an area of study. That's bad joke. Mom jokes right there. Yeah, like 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 do I get special powers? You know, will I be able to move things with my mind? I'm I mean it's 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 kind of a weird idea. If you do get those, I think I'm that might be worth my time. I would like to do that. Sure, yeah. I, I have actually avoided I I'm in seminary now, uh, as you know, and I'm not getting an MDiv. I'm not getting a Master's of Divinity, largely because I'm not convinced anymore that it's worth the money and potential debt based on the financial return that I would get for that piece of paper. But if someone would tell me that I would get like Jedi powers, I will take out all the student loans that, that they offer to get that. Um, Cause that's been a long aspiration of mine is to, is to do that. Yeah. But here's the thing. And you know, one, one thing that might be helpful um, for us, but also for anyone who might be listening to this to get an idea of what's to come is, I mean, let's just name some things really clearly. I mean, we've, you know, both both of us have talked about, you know, we're coming from a faith background. We, you know, I am, I am a, I am a youth pastor or a student pastor at a, what I would describe as a progressive faith community, a progressive Christian kind of non-denominational space. You are and have been involved in uh, both, both as an attendee and professionally within a space that same space and spaces like that as well. So I mean, I mean, we're talking about faith, we're talking about spirituality, we're talking about God. We're going to be using terms like deconstruction. That's I mean, that's been that's been a I think a an accurate category, an accurate term in both of our journeys. May or may not be in the journeys of the people that we're inviting on, you know, to kind of discuss their own you know, their own story and their own, their own trajectory and path. But, but for, I mean, I mean, those are just things off the top of my head. Is there anything else like for you that's like, let's just kind of cards on the table. What are, what are we talking about here? Definitely. As you were saying all that, I was thinking I sounded very Southern Baptist in recovery, but I also didn't go into some pieces that I want those who are listening to know. And that our time together, what we share with you is an inclusive environment. It is an environment for all. There is no one excluded. I also have a big heart and desire to learn more about the sacred feminine and the feminine attributes of God that I do believe exist. And so we come from these very conservative backgrounds. And I hope that you're still listening at this point. If you have felt, oh, this is not for me. They're, this is their way to Christian. Please know that we've been on a journey and I'm still journeying and I'm still learning, but our journeys that we will share on this podcast are from all walks of life and will include everybody. And I'm so thrilled to be able to sit down with some awesome guests that we have coming up 
and just hear them pour their lives out and how they got to the place that they are today, living authentically, how they found permission to be, how they are grateful for who they are. But the table's open for all. Sure. Yeah. Well said. Um, and I think I, I think that'll become clear, hopefully for for those of you listening, as you know, both both based on you know, as as you become familiar with the you know some of the things that we're talking about, some of the things that maybe we continue to name as time goes on in our own journeys and the way our own beliefs or convictions or practices has evolved, and then especially with you know the stories of some of the people that we that we invite into this space. Um, some of the narratives that we choose to center and and you know give space and platform to, you know, so hopefully hopefully all of that everything you just said, um, you know, it's one thing for us to say it up front, you know, hopefully it becomes clear in, in you know in, in what is elevated and what we choose to kind of draw attention to and give platform to in this space. Now, just being cognizant and strategic about about time and stuff like that as we are maybe kind of bringing this initial inaugural conversation to a close so that we can edit it and and you know go through the cringe inducing process of listening to ourselves talk and whatnot um let's talk about i mean obviously i think we're both excited about this podcast and about some of the guests we're not going to name any of them now because we haven't locked dates down but we are very excited about a few of the people who have already agreed to join us on here but um in a more abstract or esoteric sense, Becca, what is giving you, and I'll, you know, I'll answer this for myself as well, but I'm gonna let you go first. What is giving you joy in this season as we are kind of embarking on this new adventure of, um, you know, of permission to be the podcast? What's giving me joy for this season and the potential is that I have the honor to sit and hear people's stories that energizes Mm. me. It energizes me to see the hope and the goodness in humanity. And I'm so excited to be able to use this podcast, this platform as a microphone to different individual stories that will give hope like that. Just in a world where we're so tired and we need somebody to reach out and say, Hey, I see you. You're okay. Like, I'm so excited to be a part of that. What about you, David? For me, and I think maybe the simplest way to kind of frame, you know, the way I'm wired and the way I'm energized is I am addicted to ideas. And, you know, an exhilarating part of my own kind of permission giving deconstruction journey has been just being able to be open to ideas that were just categorically off limits for so long. I mean, I remember the first day I realized that like, oh, wait, I don't have to, I don't have to have qualifications anymore when I say that Lady Gaga is really awesome. <laughs> you know, before it was like, you know, I was like, well, I mean, she's obviously very talented, but and I was like, no, 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 she's just great. Lady Gaga's great. And I can just say, honestly, just being able to say like, yeah, her music's good. And I don't have to qualify that with any sort of Christian jargon about her message or anything. It's just, you know, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm getting off topic, but point being is um, in conjunction with, you know, just being exposed to a lot of ideas that were off limits. I mean, the, the downside or for me, the dark side of that has been um, just the, the unsteadiness or the uncertainty of having a lot of the ideas that I found safety and security in, kind of being, being taken away or, or 
and and that's not a bad thing for many of these ideas, but you know, just being, you know, just feeling vulnerable and exposed in that space, but just knowing going into the season, I mean, we're going to get an opportunity to hear and interact with some really brilliant people and some, some people who have, who have some really good ideas about God, about identity, um, and, and bring a lot of wisdom and experience to those ideas and things like that. So I am just energized and, and joyful uh, because for me, for me, this is just you know you know kind of a definition of joy that has been meaningful and powerful and kind of kind of uplifting to me of late is is this notion of joy as resistance. You know, hmm. joy is this chosen posture of resistance. You know, standing against whether it's injustice or marginalization or, or you know whatever. And there are a lot of people who I hope we're going to talk to, and, and a few who I already know we're going to be able to talk to, who model that really, really well. And and it and it's not just their ideas. I mean, it's the way that they live their life and kind of uh, you know kind of the way that their ideas uh, you know are played out in their being and their person and who they've who they've been, you know, kind of given themselves permission to, to, to be and to become. And so really excited about that. Yeah. Oof, I'm too. I'm giddy. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk and share. It's just, y'all, y'all just don't know. It, it's just going to be amazing. That's why we exist on this earth is to connect. I believe that that's how God connects us. I really do is through story and through being open to other people's stories of how they've transformed and changed. And I, y'all, I'm just so excited to start this journey. Love it. So this is where we leave you for now, hopefully wanting more. And um, just, yeah, be on the lookout. Join us soon um, because we are going to have a lot of really interesting people that we want you to at least digitally meet. So we will see all of you soon. for joining us on Permission to Be. I'm your host, Becca Epley, and thank you to my good friend and co-host, David Roberts. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and you'll never miss an episode. We are available on all the major podcasting platforms. And while you're there, if you would leave us a rating and or review, we are always looking for more and more ways to hear from our listeners. You can find the links for today's guests in the show notes located at BeccaEpley.com. We do hope that you will join us for our next episode.